Dear listener. Dear sweet listener. Dear sweet tiny baby listener. <laughs> in your swaddling clothes. We are in grave danger. With Tropical Storm Elsa bearing down on us. I fear we will not survive the night. I fear that they'll make me go to work in it in the morning. That's likely. <laughs> yes, very likely. <sighs> I will miss you when I'm gone. No, you can't. <laughs> yes. No. I was talking about the listeners. I will miss the listeners when I am dead. Uh, you can't miss anybody. Okay, well, before you perish in the nighttime. <sighs> no, in the daytime, tomorrow. Before you perish in the daytime, tomorrow. <laughs> Specifically. We've got tonight, though. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Who needs tomorrow? <laughs> you do. You're terrified of death. <laughs> <laughs> You need all of the tomorrows. And tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yes. Okay, well, I'm not going to pick it up from this this really sad topic. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on a second. Buckle into your chaos suits. <laughs> uh, my chaos suit has snaps. <laughs> and Velcro. <laughs> that does not come through on the microphone very well. It doesn't? No. <laughs> Okay, you can cut that out. Oh, no, it's staying in now. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I want to ask you about nostalgia. Yes. And here's why. I've been thinking about it a lot. We started this podcast. It's obviously 90s nostalgia. Obviously. Which has been opening up a lot of indie podcasts for me that are also a lot of 90s and early 2000s nostalgia. Uh-huh. And I have a problem, not something bad, not being negative in this, but I, I personally have a problem with remembering this time in my life. So it's fascinating to me right now. Visiting all of this stuff, I would say revisiting, but I barely remember a lot of it. I remember Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then I remember The X-Files, but all of this happened before I got really sick. Mm -hmm. So this is something that you and I haven't really talked about in depth, but I was really sick my entire teen years and I was actively dying when I was 16 and that really does something with your memory yeah imagine it does so I'm now 38 and rem not remembering but having these small little bits of things that were super in when I was these ages where a lot of people got their first introduction to what would then become nostalgia. Okay. So I'm really curious about your take of nostalgia. Well, interestingly enough, a couple of days before you posed this question to me, I had heard or read, I had consumed some piece of content that I couldn't find afterwards. <laughs> I, I tried to find it later. That was talking about nostalgia and how my generation is the first generation to be nostalgic for, like, consumer goods. Interesting. Growing up in the 80s. Oh, that's crazy because the things that I just mentioned are all consumer goods and entertainment. Right. Now, like, my parents, their nostalgia is for, like, feelings. Because they didn't have all of this crap. Huh. If I'm nostalgic about anything, it's, like, the toys I played with. It's the G.I. Joe and the Star Wars toys. That's really interesting because I have, I have these memories of... The things that I mentioned, and obviously other things, but I remember the feelings. I don't remember the specifics, yeah. but it's still consumer goods. Like, or If you're talking about entertainment. Or entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to count entertainment in that because it's not a necessity. Yeah. G.I. Joe's were big for me to the point where I wrote out a contract for my allowance that I would get like 
a quarter for this chore and a quarter for this chore, and I would do enough chores during the week that I would be able to get a G.I. Joe at the end of the week. And I, I signed it. I made my dad sign it. <laughs> I wish I'd have known about notaries. <laughs> I would have had it notarized because my parents didn't stick to the contract. They broke that contract all the time. That sucks. Well, we didn't really have the money for them to do it. They should have said but that I up front, that. though. So my nostalgia is mainly G.I. Joe because I loved G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe was my thing. Okay. Far more than He-Man or Transformers. And, you know, like, my parents played with a stick and a hoop. Well, my dad had G.I. Joes, those really big G.I. Joes. Yeah, I really thought that stick and a hoop truck was going to be really good. Sorry, I was thinking about what my parents did, but I don't have any idea. But I do know my dad had the big G.I. Joes, so I was sorry for ruining your joke thinking about G.I. Joes. Me too. Naked G.I. Joes. Actually, they weren't naked. They had briefs. Stamped into their bodies. <laughs> I never saw the original G.I. Joe's. That's what... the early 80s, three and a quarter inch. Okay, no, these were bigger than Barbie. Yeah, no, I know. I know what you're talking about, but I never had. Okay, so your nostalgia is primarily G.I. Joe. Yeah. But what about thing? What about entertainment? G.I. Joe. It had a cartoon, had a movie. Sergeant Slaughter was so mad, he's never going to forgive Dr. Mindbender for what he did to him. What did he do? I think he stole his DNA to create Serpentor. Oh, that's <laughs> a lot of words. <laughs> no, that just seems like you shouldn't do that without consent. Well, yeah, but Dr. Mindbender is, he's a mad scientist. Okay. And so he took like Sergeant Slaughter. Well, he took like Alexander the Great and Hannibal, maybe, and all these great military leaders. And then he also got Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, so what you're saying is Sergeant Slaughter should be flattered. Yeah. <laughs> no. Just kidding. The theory is that my my generation is the first to be nostalgic about consumer goods. Interesting. Okay. If you ever do come across that, do you remember what publication it was? I have no idea. Okay. Well, if anybody is familiar with this, I would love to read it. Because I am interested in nostalgia right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, and the reason that I brought up nostalgia for this, I forgot to (laughs) premise that. We watched Night of the Comet last night. We've been watching a lot of older movies and again i've been listening to various podcasts about 80s and 90s nostalgia and all of these things are kind of swirling around in my brain and so i wanted to know what your take was on nostalgia since i figured people i well not even figured i know i've seen tweets about people who are nostalgic and really enjoy was a movie that they saw when they were kids and so they still have it holds a really lovely place in their heart they have these fun fond memories some of the other movies that have followed on not as much but But it's just interesting and I've, I've realized that much like my my thrill of listening to people who have found families mm-hmm. particularly secret babies <laughs> <It's> different. <laughs> okay, yeah. you said found families I was thinking chosen families. chosen families are also very good but if I'm just listening to somebody tell me a tale tell me about your secret baby secret that your family has uncovered through 23andMe. <laughs> <laughs> or tell me about what you're nostalgic for. Awesome. All right. Well, on that note, let's tell everybody that we have bonus content coming out this week. Yes, we do. But it's going to be behind the paywall. 
This one will be. Yes. We're still gonna do the a free one for July. Yes. Just not this one. It'll be the free one will be at the end of the month. Yes, and we are doing something different because we decided that this one is pretty close to the last one that we did, and we want to try a couple of different styles and types of things. So the bonus content that will be unlocked at the end of the month, uh, dropped and unlocked at the end of the month, will be a departure from what we've been doing, but that's what Patreon is for. Yeah, we've got three ideas for bonus content. So the first three free things are going to be like the different things. Yes. Uh, We're also going to do a contest if... We get a hundred reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will randomly select someone and send you a t-shirt. Yes, we will check in with you and find out what size because I hate getting t-shirts that I can't wear. Yeah. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That really will help us out and enter you into the contest. Yep. (laughs) And I actually thought you were going to mention we have another thing that we're going to be doing in August that will also not be something that costs anybody money, but please share, please like and review, and that will set us up for a really good August surprise as well. All right. And now the episode. (laughs) Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. Those are the cats. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And this is The Cast Files. I'm a nerd who somehow never saw The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. How novel. <laughs> the Cast Files is a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of The X-Files, spoiler free. Today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 10, Fallen Angel. It originally aired November 19th, 1993 to a viewership of 8.8 million people. It was written by the Dream Team, Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza, <laughs> directed by Larry Shaw. I believe it's the first time we've seen his name. Oh, yeah. Well, IMDb says this episode is, The future of the X-Files project is jeopardized after Mulder secretly infiltrates the government cover-up of a UFO crash. That's a pretty decent summary. I know, it actually is. This yeah. one this one works. Good job, guys. <laughs> All right, we start off in Townsend, Wisconsin. It is 12:57 a.m. on day 1. Ooh. <laughs> I never understood like watching this episode through why they put day 1 in there cuz isn't it day 2 eventually? But they never say day 2. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think so. And we don't, we know it's only two days because in a moment we'll get our 24 hours of time when everything has to happen by. Right. <laughs> we get the countdown going. Yes. So Townsend, Wisconsin, 1257 AM. There's an explosion in the woods and a very old police Bronco, question mark, pulls up. <laughs> A cop radios it in, the the explosion and the fire, but it's too staticky on the radio to hear what the other side is saying, and there's it's unclear. When he can't get anybody clearly on the radio, he walks towards the explosion. This scenario goes back and forth between a couple of scenes, but we'll stick in this scene. Basically what happens here is after he gets off the radio, he's walking through the woods toward the explosion and the fire, yelling hello. The camera rushes in, and I said, is it Mothman? No, I've just been listening to the Witchery podcast. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's an alien or something. <laughs> or something. It's a strobe light. Yes. 
There's another bright light in the woods and the officer screams. So it's all very, it's very X-Files. They very, do, they do this kind of thing often. Yeah, very season one X-Files. Yeah. Hopefully not the rest <laughs> of the seasons because I hope they get a budget because these strobe light effect close up. Oh, things are happening bad. Death's not doing it for me. I think it's so funny listening to you watching this for the first time 30 years later almost, right? Yeah. Um, it Yes, I can imagine that it would be very weird because we, we watch old movies all the time. And sometimes the special effects are good and sometimes the special effects are terrible. But I keep watching this and I'm getting like these warm, fuzzy nostalgia <laughs> feelings yeah. for the X-Files. And some of the special effects remind me also of... Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps special effects. Ah, I see. So I've been revisiting some of those also. And now I'm just all steeped in my early 90s nostalgia. <laughs> Excellent. It's been pretty great for me. But I can see how as the first time that you're watching these, you're just like, come on, guys, get a budget here. Yeah, I mean, I can I definitely make allowances for it being in the early 90s. Yeah. And everything. But I'm hoping since it's it got like 11 seasons or something by the time they do the two new ones. Oh, I'm sure. Well, actually, I don't know. I have right. not seen the new ones. No, I'm just saying it becomes very popular, so hopefully yeah. they get the budget to match how popular it was. That makes sense. So at the same time that that's happening, over in Cheyenne Mountain, Colorado, at the U.S. Space Surveillance Center, we are seeing a bunch of military folks and a bunch of machines. There's an unidentified bogey caught on screen the computer tech i didn't catch anybody's names in this scene it was quick cut back and forth the tech says that the unidentified bogey hit the ground going 800 miles per hour that's so fast like it had to do serious damage like far more than the little crater that they show Yes. Because that is, it seems like it's just incredibly fast. I say yes, not knowing, because I don't know. But it seems like, yes, it would make a large crater. And now I'm thinking of the crater that I visited in Arizona, New Mexico, the Southwest when I was a kid. And the crater was enormous. And apparently the meteor or asteroid, and I can't remember which one it was, because I'm just recalling the story right now, was something like a tenth of the size of the hole. Right, because the impact creates. Yes. Yeah. So I'm curious, do we ever see what actually creates? I think it's that triangle thing sticking out of the ground. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, it's not real clear, I assume, because of the budget. <laughs> but it's yeah. not real clear exactly what the UFO is. I did look at the pit and how they did that scene, which I will get to eventually. And I really, I liked what they did with it. So I'll talk about that. But as far as the triangle thing goes, yeah. apparently didn't look at that. Look at everything else. <laughs> cool. All Good right. job. Well, while we're in this scene, I want to point out the guy in charge of the place. Yes. That actor's name is Marshall Bell. Okay. He's a great character actor that does these, these types of roles. He is most well known for Starship Troopers. Okay. And Total Recall where he plays the, the resistance leader who has the quato on growing out of the side of him. Oh! Quade! <laughs> Start the reactor, Quade! <laughs> and he was also on The Exticles. No. Yes. No. <laughs> no. Explicit content warning. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad that you brought that back. It made me so happy. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> Go check out the extra. No, don't. Stay here with us. 
This is becoming an Exticles podcast. No, it isn't. We're going to have two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, isn't that the appropriate average number? Well, that's how many episodes the Exticles had. I'm making a different joke. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Well, that was sad. (laughs) All right. So whatever hit the ground is what the sheriff saw, obviously, because this is all the opening. Colonel Calvin Henderson is... Marshall Bell. Yes. He says to lie about what it is in the reports. Its erratic behavior was instrument malfunction. All the instruments that meteors have. No, the instruments (laughs) that they're looking at. Oh. (laughs) You know what? This is a callback to that. Was it CNN? What was the... Who did the the UFO? Oh, 60 Minutes? Oh, 60 Minutes. Yeah, yeah. This is a callback to the 60 Minutes episode where you and I kept going, it's your instruments. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This brand new radar that you're using and I've never used before? Yeah, it's not working. It's, it's your instruments. And Colonel Calvin Henderson says, just say it's the instruments. So the tech tries to argue, but <laughs> I, I, at first I didn't know what his name was, so I just called him military guy. Yeah. But military guy is firm. Then he goes off to radio it in to someone else and says it's a fallen angel and to mobilize Operation Falcon. Sounds serious. And now opening credits. Nailed it. (laughs) The next scene, we are at Budget Rest Motel, Townsend, Wisconsin, 12.57 a.m. I didn't realize that it was the same time. I don't know why it would be the same time, but on the television it says, Still have no comment until the government investigation now underway is completed. Government officials remain vague about the toxic cargo that has caused the immediate evacuation of Townsend, Wisconsin's 12,000 residents. Speculation here has centered on a shipment of toxic waste. And then it fades out. And we see that Mulder is there and he turns off the screen. And this is when we have the flashback. We get the bathroom troll. (laughs) Yes. Bathroom troll is back. So it's... But he's not telling riddles. He is not. He's being completely forthcoming about this. He's being exposition, deep throat. Makes me suspicious. Ooh, I didn't think about that because I was just typing a lot. Yeah. But you're right. That is interesting. And actually, when we go to the end... We'll get there. Yes. That comment right there, though, makes me think of how this episode ends. And you're on to something. I've got stuff to say about the ending. All right. So Mulder, in the flashback, Mulder and Deep Throat are talking about Operation Falcon. Deep Throat warns Mulder he has 24 hours before the area is sanitized. And it'll be like nothing ever happened. And here I wrote a side note that says, we need that tech for environmental cleanup. Yeah, no kidding. Do that for all the pipeline spills that happen like every single day. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? Whatever whatever they're doing and it takes 24 hours to make it completely like nothing ever happened. I bet that uh, they're not actually doing that. <laughs> There's not a GoFundMe I can throw my money at or something? <laughs> oh, I No, I meant in the episode. I bet these people aren't making it so like nothing ever happened. Because Scully later talks about radiation that's all over the place. That's true. 
You're not getting rid of that. And you're also, when we get to the scene, I didn't see the triangle in, but I saw literally everything else in it. <laughs> They're not cleaning that up either. Like nothing ever happened. Then we flash back to the present and Mulder has gone to the crash site. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> He's not with Scully. We don't see Scully for a little while. He's seen this story, gotten this information from Deep Throat, and then goes on his own. All of this stuff is happening with Mulder doing it on his own. We do see Mulder in almost every episode, if not every episode, leaving his partner behind <laughs> yep this is the first time he's gone to a different state though this is the most egregious departure <laughs> of the buddy system so at the crash site he sees the fence the infrared or whatever whatever it's supposed to the laser fence the military has set up you can hear the military setting up in the background and someone yells use the buddy system <laughs> I did not catch that. It was pretty great. That's fantastic. They're saying other things while they're driving big trucks around and setting up tents and all of this. Um, and basically, it looks like every war movie on TNT. Oh. The time that I was watching The X-Files in 93, I lived with my dad. And so it was either X-Files, Quantum Leap, Star Trek, or some war movie on TNT. I watched Quantum Leap out of all those. That was it. <laughs> I loved Quantum Leap, though. You didn't watch any of the other sci-fi? I didn't watch any Star Trek, because I was a Star Wars guy. Ugh. Back then, it wasn't the biggest franchise of all... Well, now second biggest franchise of all time. It was not cool to like Star Wars in 1993. Well, Captain Picard will always be my captain. The only thing I ever really liked about Star Trek was the fact that Captain Kirk had no business being in charge of anything ever, but was somehow a captain. Yeah. I was like, whoever promoted this guy should be fired. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I was like, way to go, Federation. <laughs> Federation in general. Yeah. <laughs> At the site, we see a soldier pull up or a truck pull up and a soldier get out. He is told that he's late by the colonel who comes out of the tent. And the soldier said that he's late due to a flat tire, but apparently they weren't too concerned about it because it's supposed to be a drill. But the colonel tells them that they will be using live rounds tonight. The soldier is confused, but this colonel says, you were told wrong. Surprise. Mm -hmm. This is real. It's all very hush-hush, which is interesting because it's also everybody's yelling. Mulder apparently has been hanging on to the truck's undercarriage since the tire was flat and changed. He probably set up the flat tire. Yes, probably. Because he's a spy now. Have you ever driven to the airport and they look under your car for bombs? Not the airport, but deliver to the FBI building once. Ah. They do that. I feel like they would have checked under the big vehicles. They should have, obviously. They're looking for an unspecified thing. Nobody said what yet. Right. But they didn't, so Mulder's inside now. He didn't have to climb through the fence. There are armed soldiers patrolling. This is funny because I wrote these next two sentences before watching the rest of this episode and had forgotten about this whole episode. <laughs> okay. You know, from when I was 10. I wrote... I'm waiting for the predator to start picking them off. It would work. It's all aliens. <laughs> Good job. I was not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
So now it's dark and Mulder finds a pit with a bunch of hazmat suits spraying fire extinguishers all over the ground. And there are sprinklers, like lawn sprinklers. Everything is covered in plastic sheets and covered in white, whether it's sand or foam from the fire extinguishers or what. Everything's plastic and white and Mulder's taking pictures. That made me wonder, we didn't see the bathroom troll tell him anything like, do this, do that. This is how you get in. This is what I need you to do. He just told him that this is what's happening. And then Mulder goes and just starts taking pictures. What is he supposed to be doing? I don't know. Because even if you had pictures of that, that's not proving anything. Look, here's a picture of a pit. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter because a soldier busts him in the face with a gun. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Now we're inside a tent and Mulder is being held. There's lots of machine guns and the Colonel says Mulder is endangering all these armed military men. <laughs> oh, those poor guys. <laughs> Mulder says they knocked out one of his molars and I bet he's at least slightly concussed. <laughs> he got him right under the eye. Just oof. The Colonel has the film from Mulder's camera and exposes all of the film, but in the shot, there are no pictures on that roll. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote, I hope it's not a fluke, and Mulder actually is hiding the film. And then after I finished, I came back and wrote, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little disappointing side note to myself. <laughs> But don't, don't wait for the pictures to come back because they're gone. <laughs> in the next scene, we see Mulder is being held in a temporary chain link fenced facility. This is where he meets Max Felig, who is a character and incredibly chatty. Max starts talking. I don't know how Mulder doesn't realize he's gone at some point because <laughs> that would be the only time Max would stop talking. <laughs> We never see Max stop talking. It's just eventually the next day. At one point he says, can I ask you a question? And I out loud said, can I stop you? <laughs> he does ask Mulder if he's Mufon or Kufos. And when Mulder says nothing, Max doesn't blame him after what happened to JFK. Right. What recently happened to JFK in 1993. <laughs> and Mulder is sort of trying to do his play dumb trick here. Yeah. But you're also locked in there, man. It's hard to play dumb when you're literally locked in the secret facility, too. Max asks Mulder if he saw anything, and then Max says, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything! <laughs> <laughs> like it's going to change anybody's mind. Right, like they were going to let him, oh, oh, this guy didn't see anything. We can let him go. But I do like that he tried. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to try. He also believes that it's the Roswell cover-up all over again. Speaking of Roswell, Roswell, New Mexico was a cover-up, just it was not covering up aliens. Here's where my liking to debunk these sorts of things comes in. Okay. So what really happened in Roswell, New Mexico was called Project Mogul. It was a surveillance program that tied basically high-tech microphones to balloons. Mm. It's a little more complicated than that, but in essence, it's tying microphones to balloons. Okay. One of those crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. Since it was highly classified, the FBI went out, cleaned it up, and people said it's aliens, and FBI said nothing. <laughs> because what really happened was highly classified, so they couldn't say anything. And it came out in the 90s that it was common practice to just let people believe alien things were happening when it was just the government doing stuff. That, like, they came out and admitted that in the 90s. 
I mean, it seems like the easiest option. It's also the only option when things are highly classified. Well, they could make up a story like we're going to get to in a minute. But if they're not necessarily trying to dictate the narrative, they're just trying to keep the narrative as far away from the truth as possible. Well, then you lie. You could say nothing. Yeah. My point is you could say nothing. If your point is not to dictate the narrative, it's just to say, as long as they don't think it's microphones on balloons, we're fine. And then somebody gets a story that's really wild and the press runs with it and then everybody starts believing it or at least is distracted. Then you just clean up, brush your hands off and walk away. It's like what's going on with all the videos that are coming out nowadays. The big problem is those videos are getting leaked from these highly classified targeting cameras. Anything that's attached to this highly classified information automatically gets classified at a high level. So their hands are tied. They literally can't talk about it. Are you talking about flying rods? No, I'm not talking about flying <laughs> rods. They're very, very real. <laughs> no! A very real phenomenon. No! I'm so sorry I brought flying it up. Rods. I can't. I can't. I can't with the flying rods. <sighs> this is my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's that's why it's quickly becoming my most favorite. Ugh. You guys, every time there's a new Flying Rods video on YouTube, he makes me watch it. <laughs> it's so fun. Do not send him those videos. Oh. <laughs> All right, so in the Finston jail, Mulder does his skeptic bit. You mentioned this where he's, whatever, you mentioned this. And he says, what makes you so sure that something's out there? And Max laughs and says, same thing that makes you so sure. And then this is a bit of trivia for this scene. I didn't write down all of the lines to get us here, but Max has just been talking. And one of the lines he does say is, trust no one. And this is the first episode that references the line. I thought that was an X-Files thing. I wasn't sure of it, but when he said it, I thought that was an X-Files thing. It's the next day at dawn. Scully saves Mulder from jail again. Yeah, and she does it really nicely. Mulder! Max is gone. The X-Files are in trouble, and Scully is mad at Mulder's ridiculous behavior because obviously what he did was breaking all kinds of protocol and we know scully is by the book and follows protocol and she doesn't know that the bathroom troll sent him on the quest oh gosh Mulder is defensive you and i did talk about this between our first and our second watches of this and i agree scully is basically what is she doing they have not given her a personality yet outside of being mad at Mulder for doing stuff that Mulder's always doing yes i was thinking about it on my long run today Because as I mentioned before, I think about tons of stuff on my long run. Didn't see a bunch of sharks today, guys. But the X-Files are in trouble. Yes. And we don't really pay any attention to that throughout this entire Predator episode. No, well, no, because there's a Predator. But I was thinking about it again, and I was like, of course Scully's upset that Mulder's being incredibly reckless because this, she's not going to get fired. She'll be reassigned. Mulder will be fired and the X-Files is his baby yeah, or his greatest wish in the entire world or both. And she's frustrated because he is so bought into the X-Files, but also being incredibly reckless to this point where it's going to get him fired and the X-Files is going to be shut down. So basically, if the government officials, chief officer dude, I think is what I named him later, <laughs> If he gets his way in the hearing, Mulder is, not only is Mulder out of a job, but the X-Files is closed. So then none of these will be solved. True. But Mulder mentions that he has connections in Congress. 
His best friend Strom Thurmond will save him. Oh, jeez. They're talking about how this whole thing is, what this whole incident is. And Scully says, I don't know what she said before this. I don't know why I cut here. But she says, because it wasn't. What you saw was not a toxic spill. Okay. But it wasn't a UFO either. And Mulder says, okay, I'm all ears. What was it? (laughs) And Scully says, it was a downed Libyan jet with a nuclear warhead. Which is so much crazier of an explanation than aliens. Yeah. That would be way bigger of a deal that Libya is flying nukes over Wisconsin. (laughs) Wisconsin. Mulder laughs and says, over U.S. airspace? And then Scully says, they've been picking up low-grade levels of radiation, indicating that a plutonium casing may have cracked to avoid mass panic. And then it cuts off or he cuts her off and it's just it's back and forth obviously a cover-up story Mulder says how it's ridiculous and of course they're going to tell a ridiculous story Scully says but it's a highly classified story basically and Mulder's not having it David you and Mulder (laughs) are both mad at the cover story I am furious at this cover story if you want to know why look into what we did to Livia That'll do it. If you're not furious at that, then you have no soul. Next scene. Hey, (laughs) it is the Predator. Hey, Predator. (laughs) Gotta pull us out of that. That nosedive. And then we cut to Mulder and Scully. They're in Townsend at the motel Mulder was staying in the night before he was captured. And there's a really cool Airstream in the parking lot. I noticed it right away. I looked at it. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Obviously, it comes back. Scully reminds Mulder that the hearing to save his job and the X-Files is in 24 hours. And I said, remember the one to keep the X-Files from being shut down and Mulder from losing his job? Mulder is not bothered. No, Strom Thurmond's going to save him. Mulder opens the door and the motel room is a mess. The phone's off the hook. Everything's been gone through. It's just all ransacked. Like Kevin's bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) The phone's off the hook. I don't know why, but that line tickled me. (laughs) It's a mess. The phone's off the hook. (laughs) He can't receive a phone call right now. He can't. And there's that annoying sound. (laughs) <laughs> wow, I didn't know that line was going to tickle you. Why. I don't know why. It just it hit me just right. And I said, but surprise, it's not TSA. It's Max. Apparently, NICAP has been following Mulder's career ever since Mulder began with the X-Files. They can follow Mulder through a variety of public records using FOIA. I didn't realize FOIA had been around for this long, so I looked it up. And FOIA was enacted on July 4th, 1966 but had an effective date of one year after the date of enactment, so July 4th, 1967. So I want to know what Lyndon Johnson was covering up in order to buy himself a whole year. What recently happened to JFK? Oh, yes, probably. (laughs) I have to mention that Mulder walks in to his own place without a gun again. (laughs) Oh, yep. He he looks behind him at Scully and goes, hey, you got your gun? I'm going to read my trivia piece and then you fill in anything that's not covered by this, okay? Okay. Because I know you have a bit for this. Max tells Mulder that he read Mulder's article. I don't know how to say this word. Pseudonymous? Pseudonymous? Pseudonymous. Right? Doesn't it just make you not want to say it out loud? Why did you write it? I didn't. I grabbed this. the trivia I grabbed from IMDb. (laughs) The article he wrote under a pseudonym. Yes. So Max tells Mulder that he read Mulder's article in Omni magazine. Mulder wrote it under a pseudonym. That was also a... He changed the... Anagram? Anagram. The article was about 
the Gulf Breeze sightings. That was in the show. In the trivia, Omni was a real magazine that covered both science and science fiction. Side note, don't do that. <laughs> For real. It was published in a hard copy edition between 1978 and 1995. The Gulf Breeze sightings were also real, in quotes. In late 1987, a Gulf Breeze, Florida resident named Ed Walters claimed that he had seen and photographed an alien spacecraft near his home. Although some flying saucer enthusiasts found the photographs convincing, they were revealed as staged hoaxes several years later when no. the new owners of Walters' old house found a model of a <laughs> UFO identical to the one in the photos secreted in the house. Wow. And this was discussed in Strange But True, Gulf Breeze UFO Incident, 1996. Fantastic. That is not the only Gulf Breeze UFO incident. Gulf Breeze is known for its UFO sightings. Oh. It is one of the most populous UFO sightings in the country. Oh. It's also right next to Andrews Air Force Base. Oh. And it's also where my mom believes that she was experimented on by aliens. Oh my gosh. Of course she does. Because <laughs> she would spend summers in Pensacola. Right. And that's right there by Gulf Breeze. She would wake up in the middle of the night, unable to move, with strange beings around her that would poke and prod her. The experiments would not stop until she was able to will herself to move, and then the beings would be gone. So your mom had sleep paralysis? Yeah, this is, she's literally describing sleep paralysis. <laughs> but she's, And she knows what sleep paralysis is, but she still believes that she was experimented on by aliens. She was also going through a very stressful time in her life. That'll do it. They love to get you when you're going through stressful times. It's crazy like that. I'm surprised I haven't been abducted. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. I did not know that. I've never told you that? I don't think so. Here's what I want you to do. Okay. Next time you go visit. Okay. You need to record your mom telling that story. Oh, that's brilliant. I know. Yeah, I gotta do it. <laughs> Content, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Also, it would be wild. I would love to hear how she embellishes it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It would be great. After that, Max takes them over to his Airstream. The Airstream comes back. And he tells them that he's jacked in, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> don't they say that in Buffy? I've never. What is that one episode where the computer virus oh. is happening? You're going to be jacked into the internet or something. Uh, probably. That's that episode one, one with Moloch. Yeah. That's one I skip. I would also. Unless I'm doing a full, full rewatch. I skip that one. Well, he's jacked, Max is jacked in to the local fire and police departments. While he's talking to Mulder and asking him irrelevant questions, Scully notices some prescription medications. But then Mulder gets Max back on track and Max plays back the original police officer's radio call, the one from the opening scene. And then the fire department's call about 35 minutes after that. The fire department are requesting medevac and decidedly not keeping their cool. Whatever happened freaked those guys out. I would like to know what happened to them. Exactly. They never say, but it sounds like they got killed too. The recording sounds like it came and got them, but they never mention it. Right. I would assume that they also died because we do find out in a moment that the sheriff died, which we kind of assumed with the zoomy yeah. light flash and everything. Anytime they do that. Yeah. People don't usually survive, or if they do, it's not it's not good. The next scene we're at Mills Road High School. It's an emergency evacuation center for everybody in Townsend who has been evacuated. It is six twenty seven PM. 
and it's oh here we go it is day two so the day after well it makes sense because this is the day after everything's happened because they had to evac everybody there were a lot of people scattered around on cots in the makeshift evacuation center and Mulder says mrs wright hi i'm fox Mulder. this is dana scully we're from the fbi we'd like to ask you a few questions about your husband and mrs wright is not charmed by him at all she says he's dead what else is there to know that's what it takes to not be charmed by fox Mulder. is your husband who have just died <laughs> Yes. If you didn't just lose a loved one, then you're you, charmed. You know what? I'm going to put an asterisk by that. Ooh. Because I think if he hadn't died in such a mysterious way and all of the rest of this wasn't happening, if somebody has threatened her. Clearly, yeah. So if she hadn't been threatened, it might have worked. Fair. You know what? It could have. But I'm still saying just because that could have worked, I'm saying that's the only way that you... I see. Because we do get some... We get served some hot molder in a little bit. Oh just wow <laughs> mrs wright has obviously been threatened the government refuses to release her husband's body and scully says the government can't do that and then a few minutes later scully says you're entitled to the truth we all know is a lie especially in a government cover-up <laughs> the, the fbi has never said that and meant it it's just wild and then the lights go out so now we're at the u.s microwave substation b21 Thanks for the bottom third, because what a name. <laughs> yeah. The Predator is close. The military guys are on edge. Everybody's breathing really heavy. And they're all in the buddy system. You got pairs of people here and here, and they're walking around. They don't find anything, and suppose it's an animal. Surprise, it's not an animal. Oh, Predator's <laughs> an animal. Is it? Sure, it's fauna of some sort. <laughs> it's in family animal. <laughs> animal family. Well, we get the rushing camera again, bright lights again, and some guy wigging out. His face is going... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these guys, the the two lead guys, though, I want to point out one of the things I always point out. The two lead guys are walking out with just 9mm handguns mm -hmm. to kill a predator. What are you doing? <laughs> what is the thought process of that? Do they know it's predator? They, they gotta know it's something. Ooh. They know it's something. They know Somebody it's something. knows it's something, because I'll tell you why when we get there. But I don't think these guys necessarily do. These are just soldiers. Well, the people who know can give them better guns. At least give them a shotgun. All right. They could have better weapons. All right. Now we're at County Hospital, Townsend, Wisconsin, 11.42 p.m. Dr. Oppenheim says, I'm sorry, but unless you have a subpoena, I can't discuss patient information. He's right. I was like, that's pretty good. Dr. Patient Confidentiality. And then Mulder and Scully appeal to him both in different ways. And Dr. Oppenheim says, I hate fascists. Yes, Dr. Antifa. <laughs> and Mulder goes, excuse me? He said he hates fascists. You back off, buddy. <laughs> and I said, Mulder, we hate fascists. <laughs> yeah, we do. The bodies Dr. Oppenheim is not supposed to discuss were burned. Fifth and sixth degree burns over 90% of their bodies. And it may be caused by ionizing radiation. I don't know if that's an actual thing or a made up thing. And Scully mentions she did her residency in forensic medicine all in this discussion. So I bet it is a thing, just not a thing that me and my non-medical line of work would be very familiar with. It's not something you pick up through osmosis. Right. Scully says that she's seen it in Hiroshima, and Mulder says that he's seen it in Close Encounters. Yeah, I've got a stack of X-Files. And I said, oh, Darlene was burned in Conduit. Not from radiation, though, from grabbing the... Right. But It's heat. a through line. Yeah, heat is a through line with aliens and ghosts. Yeah. Hmm. 
I just thought that was pretty cool because I started realizing that they were tying in some of the other episodes. To punctuate Mulder's alien theory, the soldiers from the previous scene are being rolled in, burned, and in bad shape. Mulder accuses the colonel of hunting the creature down like an animal, which is a callback to Jersey Devil. <laughs> and then Dr. Oppenheim tells off the colonel and gets Scully to be Dr. Scully, if it's all right with her. Yeah, and, and Dr. It, Antifa. And it is all right with her. Uh, she goes to scrub in and Mulder goes to find Max. Tell you what, when Dr. Antifa gets in the colonel's face like that, ooh, <laughs> I got the vapors. Oh, need a fainting couch for you. <laughs> Mulder knocks on the Airstream back at the motel parking lot, and there's no answer. He goes inside, and Max is seizing. Mulder holds him until it ends, and Max is understandably out of it and exhausted. He's As he comes to, he's not quite sure what's happening. But he comes to, cradled in the arms of hot Mulder. <laughs> he really does, yes. Imagine passing out, coming to, and he's just cradling your head <laughs> ever so gently. <laughs> Mulder tells Max that he was having some kind of seizure, which is the same line that they used when the astronaut is having some kind of seizure. And I'm not sure if they've used it a, a third time, but that's, it seems strange to say some kind of seizure. Well, I imagine since he's only a psychologist, he can't classify it grand mal, petite mal. <laughs> I just would probably say you were having a seizure and then not know all of the variations. I just noticed that it was a, a line they've reused. Max says that's impossible. It turns out he ha Max has epilepsy, but it's been under control for years with medication. Seems reasonable. Max tells Mulder about starting to have epileptic seizures when he was 10. The doctor said that he must have hit his head on something, but Max makes a joke about not remembering hitting his head. Does Is that a joke? I think it's a joke. Because I wanted to point out, yeah, that's kind of how head injuries work. I thought it was a joke and you pointed it out and I was like, either way, he doesn't remember. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> if, if, it, if it was intentionally a joke, I missed it. <laughs> it went over my head. But Max has a, a history of epilepsy, but it's been under control. Max needs rest. Mulder helps him to the bed, bringing him some water. And it's a very nice and gentle scene. And then Max lies down and Mulder sees a mark behind Max's ear. Then we cut to hashtag hot Mulder. Oh. He's studying X-Files in the motel room. Hashtag sexy librarian Mulder. Yeah. This should have been the Halloween episode. <laughs> Just because he's a... Sexy librarian costume. <laughs> ah, gotcha. <laughs> Scully comes in. She's exhausted from a night at the hospital. She says they lost all but two who were attacked last night. And David goes, so you lost two. Because <laughs> there was four. <laughs> it's just a weird way to say that. It really was. Because I didn't catch that until you made that comment. Because I was thinking there were more. Mulder changes the subject to aliens. He believes Max was abducted. Scully says he was probably delusional because she saw his medications in his RV. And I said, if he's treating schizophrenia, because she says she goes on this whole delusional because he's schizophrenic. And if he's treating schizophrenia with medications, wouldn't he not be oh. delusional? Yeah, hashtag ableist Scully. It just seems like a, a wild leap in logic. Yeah, and I wish I hadn't said hashtag right there. Yeah. Me too. Especially since his epilepsy has been controlled with medication. Why can't his schizophrenia also be controlled with medication once they find the right medication? Yeah. I didn't like the ableism in that. It seemed off. I don't know. So Mulder tells her that Max doesn't believe he was abducted. Mulder believes Max was abducted. 
And then he basically cuts her off from saying anything else about Max being delusional and says, I'm asking for your medical opinion. Can you go look at him? Right. Because that's his friend she's talking about. It was a great checking Scully moment. Yeah. Because Mulder's about to make a friend. He has a hard time making friends. He almost made a friend in ice. (laughs) He's trying to make a friend here. Let's see how this works out. So Scully's trying to get Mulder to go back to the hearing still, but she does say that she'll check on Max on the way to the airport, which I think is a fine stipulation. Fine, I'll do this, but you come with me. It's in the parking lot. It's really not far out of the way. No, it all seems fine. Let's do that. We cut to the U.S. Space Surveillance Center in Cheyenne Mountain, Colorado again, and another sighting has been made. They're saying it's a meteor. And they're doing it really well. The lady radar operator, I really liked her in this scene. Yeah, she was the tech from the the original scene, and she says, it's a meteor and it's hovering over a small town in eastern wisconsin (laughs) she's basically going wink wink (laughs) and now we're back at the airstream and i said side note i love the pattern mixing the lights the collage of pictures the globes the hanging fish everything inside this airstream since we spent so much time talking about darlene's rv i figured i should (laughs) at least let you guys know i love how what he's done with this place but unfortunately the predator gets into max's trailer as max is asleep and makes max's ear start bleeding max lifts his head blood is also on the pillow because it fills up and drips down his his neck and throat and onto the pillow and we see max open his eyes Then we cut back to Scully and Mulder. They're in the parking lot. They approach the trailer. Mulder knocks and enters. They go inside and the radio is on. They look around, see the blood on the pillow, and Max is gone. But they hear a statement made on the radio about a trespasser. So we know where Max is. (laughs) Right. Mulder leaves the Airstream and Scully is still trying to get him to save his own job and the (laughs) (laughs) X-Files. She's still trying to get him to save himself. Right, but he's about to make a friend. (laughs) But he's about to lose everything he's been working on for how many years? Yeah, he's clearly okay with it. Like he says at the end, this is a long time coming. He knows it's coming. Also, he knows that Strom Thurmond will save him. (laughs) Stop stop it with Strom Thurmond. I find it hilarious. You are the only one. That's good enough for me. Okay. Mulder is convinced Max has been abducted. So rather than drive to the plane, they go to find Max. Shocking. And by shocking, I was also rolling my eyes so much that I almost couldn't say shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Flash to Max. Blood is running down his neck still and soldiers stop him and radio it in. And Max says to the soldiers, please don't. Oh, I wrote down, he's not talking to the soldiers. Right. Max is terrified and it's a really good scene. I don't know how he, how it was directed, what was said to make it obvious to us that he's not talking to the soldiers because the soldiers don't pick up on it. They're not necessarily good active listeners. (laughs) (laughs) People with guns usually aren't. Right. Why would they be, right? When Mulder and Scully arrive, they find burned bodies of soldiers. Then they hear Max whimpering inside a building that's right there. They find Max cowering in a corner saying, it hurts, it hurts. He is, Max is having a really bad time and he's doing a really good job at having a bad time. <laughs> like it hurt my heart a little bit w- listening to him. He oh. was so good at, at acting in pain. <sighs> More soldiers show up and apparently they're going to blow up the building with C4. They attach C4 to the roll-up door that's right next to a door <laughs> that Scully just came out of. Right. 
It's wild. It's mind boggling. <laughs> We're going to blow it up and then have to wait a second. <laughs> so it's safe to go through. And somehow that'll be more effective than just going through this other door. It does not make any sense. There's also a lot of snipers out on the other buildings around the area. And there's some weird infrared equipment. It looked really funky. I liked it, but it looked real 1993 prop department. (laughs) I want to touch it. I just want to hold that thing to see if it was empty and light or if it was an actual something else encased in something and... I don't know. I bet infrared cameras in 1993 were gigantic. They probably were. But they were. What did we just watch where the guy... (laughs) The Conjuring 2. (laughs) Yes! They hand him the giant VHS camera recorder and he's like, wow, it's so small and light. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. Scully tries to stop the soldiers saying that they have a very sick man in there. He's a delusional schizophrenic. Colonel whatever says... We're not in the hospital anymore. And we see three bodies inside the building through the infrared camera. Mulder and Max are together. We know that they're in there together. And then we see another one, which is obviously the Predator, and it's further away. Max is terrified still. Mulder is promising that nothing will happen to him, which is one of my horror movie and real life things to never say to anybody. Yeah, you hate that. I hate it. It makes me furious because it's just lying. Stop lying to people. (laughs) It's not me. I didn't do it. (laughs) Oh, it makes me so upset. It's not even mad. It makes me upset. Oh, I should probably talk about that in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) They're there. They're there. Oh, don't do that, Mulder, because one of the reasons it makes me so upset is that as soon as you say it, something bad happens. Yeah. Something you cannot stop. So as he's promising nothing will happen to Max, the camera zooms in again, this time to Max, and knocks Mulder away. Mulder flies across the room. And then gets up nearly immediately. Yes. So at this point, that's happened to Mulder so many times that I've decided he's Wolverine. Oh. I wrote it down here. Mulder is Wolverine. Okay. He just recovers from everything immediately. Immediately. Max has disappeared. There's kind of a whooshy thing of image on the screen. And he reappears in another part of the warehouse. When Mulder gets to him, Max is being levitated. So this is the second man Mulder has witnessed levitating. (laughs) One being choked out by a ghost. And this is all that we know of since Scully has started working with him. How many levitated people (laughs) has Mulder seen to get him to this point. Oh, no wonder he believes in everything. He's, he's already seen it. This is episode 10. And so 20% of the cases we've been on have had a <laughs> levitated person. That was wild. And then something loud happens and two of the three bodies disappear from the heat radar. The soldiers blow the door and find only Mulder who says he's gone. They got to him first. They beat us, Colonel. And the Colonel does not like losing and has Mulder arrested for it. (laughs) And does not acknowledge that it's an us situation. (laughs) No, not at all. And now the scene that we have been building up to since the beginning. We are at the hearing. We're in FBI headquarters, professional responsibility hearing. What a name. (laughs) Just can we appreciate what a name that is? I wonder if that's the real name for it. Oh my God. The PRH at the FBI. (laughs) Scully answers questions and it's not looking good. She asks to speak freely. 
is denied. She tries again, is shut down, and tries once more to stand for Mulder and is shut down again. The guy, the section chief dude, is what I called him, is not having it. Scully is looking good in this scene. Scully is wearing the best fitting suit she has worn in this entire series to date. I did not notice. Shoulder pads up past her ears? No. no. I'm I'm not joking. This is the best outfit. No, I know you're not joking. Neither am I. Oh, she did? No. Huge shoulder pads. No, but you do need to watch K through 12. K through 12? Yep. Okay. It's a Melanie Martinez movie if you want shoulder pads up to your ears. <laughs> okay. She comes out of the hearing and Mulder is being nonchalant with his crutches. I he doesn't we, need those crutches. He's Wolverine. I bet we don't see them ever again. No, he's faking it. He's trying to get sympathy from section chief guy. Is he? Yeah. Because he does a real bad job trying to get sympathy <laughs> in about five seconds. He's acting like he's not concerned. Scully is still concerned for him. She looks at the paper that Mulder was flipping through as she sits down and it says something about the toxic spill cleanup has been completed and all of the residents can go back. Sidebar, now that Predator has gotten Max. Radiation's gone for some reason. And Predator could leave forever? I think he got beamed up at the same time. That they got Max? That's how I took it. Because that's when both the heat signatures disappeared. Yeah, I guess what I'm thinking is his whole business was Max. Yeah, that's why they landed there. That makes sense. Because that's where Max was. Yes, I know that they actually, while they're inside the hearing, Mulder says stuff to that effect. They go back and forth a little bit. And then it escalates very quickly. And Mulder and section chief dude are yelling at each other. They are just yelling. Yeah, we get some angry Mulder. And I get the vapors again. <laughs> oh, you do like angry Woo. Mulder. You liked him when he was bad cop Mulder. No, I hated bad no, cop. No, you liked him. I just re-listened to that episode and oh. you liked him and I didn't like him. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, just so you know. <laughs> well, I've changed my mind. Well, it gets really tense inside the hearing. I don't know how everybody else is feeling, but I feel like they also are feeling the tension because it's just Mulder and this other guy yelling. And then there are three other people in the hearing (laughs) saying nothing. That's because they're all getting the vapors. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, there was something found in Max's skull, which is like in the pilot. Yeah, it is. He's got a tongue piercing in his skull. I wonder if he also had the vampire bite moles. Unfortunately, we'll never know now. Because those people died too. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't look up this actor, even though I liked him, just because I didn't want to see if he's in more episodes of The (laughs) X-Files. I want to be surprised if he comes back. Well, Mulder yells that they all know that Max was abducted, and nobody denies it. (laughs) (laughs) Section chief dude says they found his body in a shipping container. Yep. Doesn't say he wasn't abducted. Nope. Just says, oh, he doesn't even say his body was found. He says, there's a report that says his body is found. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so we we find out that Max is dead, but that's a good point. that it, We find out that we're supposed to believe Max is dead. Mulder says that everyone in the room is involved in the cover-up. He also, Mulder also yells, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Hmm. Oh, how can you still be so naive? That's what I keep wondering. So then we're after the hearing and section chief dude storms outside to talk to someone who we aren't supposed to know is Deep Throat, but it definitely is Deep Throat. Yeah, his voice is far too distinct. I know, but the camera pans slowly up to reveal Deep Throat. (laughs) He's keeping Mulder safe and employed to keep him away from others. 
He said he mentions others. Yeah. The others. He's telling more riddles. Yes. He's back to being bathroom troll. Apparently Mulder knows something that would be dangerous if the others got to him. So Deep Throat is keeping him busy, occupied, and employed. And also Deep Throat apparently saved the X-Files. Enigmatic, to say the least, because if he's really working against Mulder, he wouldn't have sent him out to this thing. It's it, very interesting to see what his end game is. Yeah, I'm unsure, but it's still very open to him being on Mulder's side right now. I think Mulder's a pawn for whatever Deep Throat's actually doing. Oh, yeah, but Mulder can definitely help him do it. Yeah. So he might be a bishop. Okay. Not queen, probably, but maybe a bishop. Mulder doesn't seem like a queen. <laughs> he is a sexy librarian, though. All right, so who are you going to ship? I am shipping Dr. Antifa and Angry Mulder. Those two could have some fiery nights. Yeah, they could. Full you... of aggression and passion. Sounds pretty hot. I'm just telling you. Wow. Whew. <laughs> is it hot in here just because it's always hot in here when we record or, <laughs> or because I'm sunburned? Or <laughs> Who are you shipping? I'm shipping Dr. Oppenheim and Max. Max? Yep. They never even meet. I'm shipping them because they'll fight for the little guy together. Aww. And Max can park his Airstream outside the doctor's house so that they can both have autonomy in their own space because they both need their own space. But it looks like a very casual relationship on the outside, but they are truly meant for each other and have some of the best conversations and the strongest bond that anyone has ever had. Oh, well, that's nice. Isn't it? So I hope Max comes back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is your solution of this episode? My solution is I just checked behind my ear again and I think I'm okay. All right. <laughs> my solution is just like every episode with aliens, do nothing. <laughs> because they do whatever they want and nothing you do will affect the outcome. And that's starting to get annoying. Oh, already? Yeah, there's. We discussed it in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. There are no resolutions to any of these episodes. Yep. We're 10 episodes in now, and Mulder and Scully might as well not be doing anything <laughs> because they don't affect the story at all. They don't affect the thing that's happening. They don't affect the file. Yeah, they don't affect whatever is happening. They're just there to witness it. Maybe that's really their actual job. I think their job is create an entertaining and satisfying TV show. <laughs> Are you entertained and satisfied? I did actually really like this episode. I did too. So I guess I am. But overall, we're, we're 10 episodes in and there's not been any real resolutions to any of these. How can there be a resolution to an alien, though? There can be a resolution to this alien doing this one thing. Like, they could have saved Max. Could they, though? How would they have saved him from the Predator? I'm not Howard Gordon or Alex Ganza. So I do you... Oh my gosh! Do you do a Predator versus Alien situation and side with one over the other in order to defeat... The people side with Predator? Yeah, people always side with Predator. I would. Predator's pretty awesome. Predator's freaking sweet. I am so surprised how much I enjoyed the Predator movie. It's... And also how much I enjoyed Predator vs. Alien. Ooh, I'm surprised by that, because oof. Well, I did do a lot of Googling during that one, remember? <laughs> That's right. Everybody's skin would have frozen off. Yeah. In case you're wondering. <laughs> 
Okay. Frostbite for everybody. Speaking of episode 10, it's also our episode 10. Oh, yes. We have now lasted as long as The Mist, which was a TV show based on the movie, based on the book by Stephen King. Oh, I don't think I've seen any of them or read that book. Ooh, the movie's good. Is it? Yeah, it's pretty good. We should put it on a list. Okay. For a Halloween list, because it's good. Okay. I'll put it on my Halloween. Apparently, the TV show was not. Yeah. It got 10 episodes. Well, okay. Was it supposed to be ongoing or was it a miniseries? I didn't do that much research. Because I could see a Stephen King book slash movie slash TV remake being a contained thing. Well, we have also lasted as long as The Nut House. Oh. It was a sitcom that was partially created and written by Mel Brooks, starring Cloris Leachman and Harvey Corman. That's fantastic cast, by the way. Okay. You wouldn't recognize Cloris Leachman and Harvey Corman if you saw them. But it sounds sort of like it was a knockoff of Faulty Towers. Okay. Where it's like in a hotel. And it yeah. it only lasted 10 episodes. Only five aired in the U.S. and the other five aired elsewhere. Well, what is it? Controversial take. Not a Mel Brooks fan. It is a controversial take. But you did, uh, you watched Blazing Saddles and you really liked it. So I think you should revisit. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to just watch all of John Carpenter's movies. Oh, that's also a good idea. Until next week. <laughs> uh, keep... Watching John Carpenter movies. Yeah. <laughs> the Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. This episode edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. Music by Hal Six, logo by at Uka Art, that's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. Please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That would be a great help to us. We got a T Public store with our logo. You can buy it on mugs and masks and shirts and stuff. And you know what? You're really special.